they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this uh, Tuesday in February, the first Tuesday of February. All right. Uh, February 4th. Yesterday was the Feast of St. Blaise and the Feast of St. Ansgar. Yeah. So um, we want to do a little Bible reading here this morning. Uh, We start with the reading for the day. The gospel for today is rather a long one. The gospel from um, the gospel of St. Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come, lay hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him. There was a woman afflicted with a hemorrhage for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet she was not helped but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see how this crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? (laughs) And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was yet speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid. Just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother, those who were with him, and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Telitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of 12, arose immediately and walked around. And they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know of this and said that she should be given something to eat. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is there. He's teaching the crowds and the the synagogue leader comes and says, can you come and come and lay hands on my daughter? 
this, this, Jesus has this tremendous compassion for the people. He's not afraid to touch people. So he goes. And then this woman in the crowd, now remember, she has a flow of blood. She has a hemorrhage. And she suffered at the hand, you notice that, at the hands of many doctors, uh, you know? Always ask the Lord for help. It doesn't hurt to go to doctors. It's not wrong. No. But she hadn't gotten any better. As a matter of fact, she'd spent a lot of money and hadn't gotten any, but she'd only gotten worse. But because she had a flow of blood, she wasn't allowed to go to the temple. She wasn't allowed to participate in any of the liturgical celebrations of her people. And by the way, she wasn't allowed to touch anyone because by touching them, she would make them unclean. Well, she doesn't want to touch him. She just wants to touch his cloak. I've often thought about this when I go to Holy Communion. It's like, Lord, this woman came up behind you in the crowd and just touched the tassel of your clothing and she was healed. How many times have I received you, body, blood, soul, and divinity in Holy Communion, and I'm not healed? You know, Lord, I believe, increase thou my faith, or if my sins are standing in the way, help me to, you know, free me from my sins. But just the tremendous faith of this woman, her confidence in God's love for her. She had heard about Jesus, and she had absolute confidence, no hesitation whatsoever. If I just touch his clothing, I will be healed. And she was absolutely right. And it was, it was God's response, of course, to her tremendous faith. She believed. And by the way, faith is a gift. So she had been given the gift of faith. It's a grace from God. And she acted on it. It's not enough to take that faith and just sit on it. Our faith has to be active. It has to show forth. And she shows forth her faith and she touches his clothing and she's healed. And in the meantime, as this is going on, because Jesus wants, he brings it out. He brings it out into the open that this woman had all of this faith and she's healed by the power of her faith. And, and she doesn't need to be afraid. She doesn't need to be frightened. And I, I don't think the fear is a fear. It's like, it's like all, all of a sudden when you realize God has done something incredible for you and you're just, oh, oh. It, it's an awe, a reverence a reverential fear and awe in his presence of, wow. And, and so that's all cleared up. And then all of a sudden, the people come from the synagogue leader's house, your daughter died, just let it go. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus has said, no. He looks at the synagogue leader, he, he ignores the report, and he says, you just need to have faith. Okay, you got two incidents here, right? Jesus is dealing with two illnesses, a woman who's been suffering from a hemorrhage and a child who's been so sick that she dies. And... He's got the power to heal both. And by the way, did you notice how long the woman had the hemorrhage? 12 years. Interesting. What's the age of the child? The child is 12 years old. So then Jesus goes to Jairus' house. All these people are making a noise. And he says, the little girl is just asleep. And they start to ridicule him. What do you know? What do you know? Who are you? Who do you think you are? So he only takes the child's parents, her father and her mother, and then his companions, Peter, James, and John, and he goes into the room. And he takes the little girl by the hand. Again, Jesus is not afraid to reach out and touch us. So oftentimes, we're afraid to reach out and touch others. We're afraid of what it's going to cost us. We're afraid they might ask for more than we can give. And you know what? We don't have to give anything. We just need to be Christ to others. That's what we're called to be. And we're called to have this faith and confidence in the Lord that, yeah, he can do this for us. He can heal us of anything. He can heal us of addictions. He can heal us of demonic possession. He can heal us of sin, 
That's what he came first and foremost to heal us of, of sin. And so he goes in and he takes the little girl by the hand and he tells her to get up. Talitha kum. Little girl, get up. And it's interesting. The neighbors all know she died, right? And again, in Mark, you have this, the messianic secret. See to it that nobody knows about this. It's like, Lord, how is nobody supposed to know about it? You just (laughs) raised my daughter from the dead. The neighbors all know she was dead, but I told them she was just sleeping. You say, well, she was just sleeping. And and oftentimes scripture does refer to death in the, the bodily death as sleep because death in the scriptures is mortal sin. Yeah. It's when we commit, remember John says this in the letter of John, it says clearly all wrongdoing is sin, but not all sin is deadly. There is a deadly sin. So there is a sin that brings death to the soul. And that's from this, that's right in the scriptures. And so when the scriptures refers to, to death, they're talking about sin. It's like when Jesus in the gospel said, our brother Lazarus has fallen asleep. I, I mean to go wake him. Oh, but if he fell asleep, Lord, he's going to be okay. He's going to get better. You don't need to know Lazarus is dead. His body was dead, but Lazarus's soul wasn't dead. Lazarus had lived in grace. He was living in grace. He had accepted the Lord. And, and so he wasn't dead, dead. He wasn't eternal death, which is sin. So you don't want to die. You don't want to live in the state of mortal sin because your soul is dead. And if you die that way, that death becomes eternal. So you want to, just Terry and Jesse are always telling you what? Get to confession now. Don't wait. Make an appointment. Father, I need to go to confession. You know, I got drunk. I've been uncharitable. I, I missed mass on Sunday through my own fault. There was no extenuating circumstances. I just was too lazy to go. Um, whatever it is, there's no sin that Jesus can't forgive if you're willing to say. And even if you lack faith in him, tell him about it in confession. Lord, I'm tempted to curse you. I'm angry because of this, that, or the other thing. And I'm tempted to turn my back on you. Let him know. And so Jesus is, you know, it's funny. He's always kind of practical. He tells them, give her something to eat. The little girl had been very sick. She hadn't been able to eat. She's hungry. (laughs) And he has to tell them, give her something to eat. When we come back, I'm going to tell a story because this gospel brings back a story that had actually happened recently in my lifetime. This gospel was lived out with a friend of mine. Yeah, it actually happened. But before I do that, that'll be after the break. I want to remind you, we're having a little section in the, in the Bible with the Barbers called Biblical Evidence for Catholics. And we're going to hit, the first one is on Scripture alone. People say, oh, it's the Bible alone. So we're going to ask you a quick note to read John verse. 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 21, verse 25. It's at the end of John. It's real quick. It'll just say, but there are many other things which Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So that's just one biblical verse. And each week, we're going to give you one biblical verse for the evidence of the Catholic faith. And if you ever want a copy of this, you can just Call 877-526-2151. So when I come back, this gospel that my wife read was lived out just a few short years ago with a friend of mine with his daughter. That's my teaser. When you come back, you'll hear this magnificent story. And wait until you find out what she is doing today as a Catholic. Oh, yeah. You're going to love this story. You're going to want to share it with your family and friends. We'll be back with much more to inspire you with the Bible with the Barber. 
This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies. Featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear, and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out His will in all things. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I made a promise I was going to tell you a story that lives out the gospel of Mark that we just read of chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. I have a friend of mine who's now gone to his eternal reward, Fidel Jimenez. He wouldn't mind me mentioning his name. Six children. And... uh I knew him quite well from my parish, and his little girl was dying of leukemia. Yeah. And there's the doctor said to Fidel, Fidel, make arrangements for her burial because there's no hope. She's her blood cells, everything it looks terrible. So what did Fidel do? He picked up his baby and brought the baby to Father Aloysius, who's causes up for canonization. Yeah. He's a Claritian father, and I knew who he was. He blessed me many times. I spent many masses with him. And Father Aloysius had just was coming back from the hospital. He had a heart surgery, so he was at the rectory convalescing. So Fidel went to the, the rectory and said, I need to talk to Father because my daughter need, needs him. Actually, he didn't bring the daughter. He just no, he went there and said, to, I need to talk to Father. Well, the woman at the, uh, the rectory said, no, he's sick. He can't talk to anybody. Fidel says, I need to talk to Father right now. So Father heard the loud voices, and he comes out, and he's up on top of a second story looking down at Fidel. He said, Fidel, what's on your mind? What can I do for you? 
And Father, he says, Fidel says to Father, my daughter has leukemia. The doctor said that she's dying, and I want you to bless her. Would you please bless her? Wow. Wow. Father said, look, Fidel, just like the gospel, your daughter will not die. Wow. Your daughter will be healed. Wow. In the power of Jesus, your daughter will be healed. Fidel, being a man of faith, said, okay, that's it. I'm going home. And uh, took the, the baby out of the hospital and brought her home. Wow. And that baby was healed of leukemia. And here's the kicker, Mary. You know this, but our listeners don't. <laughs> that little baby grew up to be a consecrated nun in Mother Lily's community here in uh, Southern California. Yeah, the Trinitarians of Mary. Yep. She joined she, the Trinitarians. She's a full-time, she's a full-professed sister. And uh, Father Aloysius was able to be the one who interceded through in behalf of our Lord to heal her of the leukemia. So this gospel you read, yeah. I'm sure, is still going on in other parts of the world. Absolutely. So I wanted to share yeah. that. I hope yeah. you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah. God is still working miracles. Do we have some questions that came in? There's a question that came in on YouTube, and it was about um, missing Mass on Sunday because you have an anxiety attack before Mass. Mm-hmm. And um, here's the deal. I will give you... I want to I answer it, and then remember... W- we have an obligation to serve the Lord. And that's the first, you know, I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. But if you have a condition where you become so anxious when you're in church that you can't be in church um, and you're not, you're not missing mass just because you don't want to go, there, your obligation is alleviated. But what I would advise is a couple of things. Number one, you want to pray to the angels to help you to overcome that anxiety. Ask your guardian angel to help you. And you can always send your angel to to go to church for you. Um, try and maybe find a mass that isn't as crowded or what is it that's making you anxious? See if you can find out. Is it the perfume? Is there something in the church? Some people get sick in church from the perfume people wear. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the anxiety, what is causing the anxiety? Address the underlying issue. Try and get some help from a good Catholic therapist. You can look up Still Point Family Resources online. You could um, maybe get in talk, contact with Dr. Louis Sandoval mm-hmm. online, and he was, he's been a speaker, and he's going to give a conference actually here. When is that? That is actually coming up April 25th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. You can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to register, or it's called, it's called Catholic Mental Health Day, and he's going to cover so much but you can call 877-526-2151 and you can register that way. Okay. And so th- these things, in other words, address the underlying issue. What's causing the anxiety? And um, try and, and alleviate that and ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit. Ask your guardian angel to give you light. Ask for the graces that you need. Um, a couple of prayers you might want to pray. If you look up online, the Chaplet of St. Michael, it's beautiful. And it's actually um, addresses all nine choirs of angels and asks the choirs of angels for help. You can look, go to opusangelorum.org, opusangelorum, Latin, O-P-U-S-A-N-G-E-L-O-R-U-M.org. And um, they do the work of the holy angels. They teach you how to collaborate with your angel. So I, I would you know, pray the rosary every day, pray to your guardian angel every day, ask God for the help. Try and make visits to the Blessed Sacrament during the week, mm-hmm. and and but under address that underlying issue that's causing the anxiety. See if you can get some alleviation from that. But especially pray and try mm-hmm. try just try to go to mass. Try and 
Um, you know, when we get anxiety attacks, sometimes we need to do some deep breathing exercises to help us to calm down. Um, there's, you know, chamomilia is a, an herb that helps to calm the nerves. Mm. So see if you can address or figure out what the underlying issue is and, and try and be calm and pray and ask the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph, you have your guardian angel, your patron saints, ask them to give you light to understand what's happening and what's causing this anxiety. Something may have happened when you were a child in church or on the way to church that that's actually every time you go to want to go to church, it's triggering that incident. And so you need to learn how to work through that. I hope that helps. One other uh, comment. I know that people find praying the rosary very soothing for their calms, their nerves. I've heard many people tell me that. So, And um, that's what I would recommend also, the rosary. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, and thank you so much for your question. So I wanted to address a little bit of some a theme in the in the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. And what's interesting is Paul, in the letter to the Romans, the first part of the letter, chapters 1 through chapter 8, actually chapter 1, verse 16 through chapter 8, 39, deals with salvation in Christ. What does this mean? And um, sometimes there's controversy about Romans because um, there was, at the time of the Reformation, there was a word added to Romans we are saved by faith, and the word alone was added in there. Where Paul never wrote that. Paul never wrote that we are saved by faith alone. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about another instrument of, of salvation. So we want to talk about that today. And so Romans deals, first of all, the first part of Romans is a huge indictment on all mankind. You know, what happened? Well, God made man in grace, and we're all guilty because we turned away from God and we sinned. And so we have this problem. We've turned away from God. We've become his enemies. We're no longer friends of God. God made us in friendship with him, and we turned away, and we're his enemies. So it's like, oh. And so this cancer, it's a cancer of rebellion against God, mm-hmm. and it has spread to the entire human race. And not, it wasn't just the, you know, the Gentiles. It, Israel had the problem. Israel had the cancer of rebellion. And rebellion against God is a cancer of the soul. It is deadly so we don't want to do that. God gives us free will to choose. That's right. And so there's no value in saying yes to God if you don't have freedom to say no. And and St. Paul is saying, I encourage you to say yes. Absolutely. <laughs> he wants us to say yes. And the reality is, is that God is love. Mm. And he made us in his image. And he wants us to be like him. In order to be like him, we have to be free to love. Love is not love if it isn't free. If you are, you know, uh, remember the old days, the shotgun weddings? Um, well, here's the deal. Um, the, you know, it, we had shotgun weddings. The, the groom got the, the bride pregnant, and so um, the father is forcing him, the father and the brothers are forcing him to marry her. Well, you know what? If he's not free, if he's not freely making those vows, there's no marriage. You can't, there's no love. There, that's not, it's not for, you can't force it. It has to be, it has to be free. So, yeah, we have, we have this reality of, of the freedom we have, but that freedom, and we can use it to rebel against God, and that's true. But unfortunately, to rebel against God is to choose death, and, and death for the soul would be eternal if we don't repent. So we want to repent. And so God, in order, not, he didn't just leave us there. You know, Adam and Eve sinned. He had given them grace. He had made them in grace. They sinned and turned away from him. He could have said, fine, you will have a natural life and you're done, you won't have a share in my life. 
But God didn't do that. Instead, he sends his son. And this is not something we merited or earned. And Paul makes this very clear. And the Catholic Church has never taught that we merit our salvation. Salvation, justification, grace are free gifts from God that we don't merit. It's not now God will attach merit to certain works. That's God giving us grace. And remember, that's also a free gift. We're not saying that we earned it. No, it's God who gives us merit. He attaches merit to what we do. Paul does say that also. He said, from now on, I have fought the good fight. I have won the, run the race. I've kept the faith. From now on, a merited crown awaits me. So there is some merit there, but we're not saying that merit is earned. And we, we can fall into this trap. Anyone can fall into this trap. We think we're earning God's love. That's not how it works. God freely gives his love. And so um, God responded to the tragedy of man's sin by promising a savior. Now, at the time, we didn't realize that Savior was going to be his only begotten son, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. But that all plays out in salvation history. And so his son, Jesus Christ, comes and he dies on the cross to free us from sin and to rescue all of those who had fallen into sin, all of Adam's fallen family. And Paul, at several points throughout that section, he talks about the mystery of sin and salvation. The salvation we experience in Christ, what is sin, what is the mystery of sin, what is grace, and what is this, um, you know, rebirth in Christ? I mean, does it make a difference? Does it just mean that God is granting, saying, okay, I'm the judge, and because I'm the judge, I can say, I let you off the hook. Yeah, what you did was bad and wrong, and I'm just letting you off the hook. Is that what it's saying? Or is there more to this grace? Is there something that God is giving us through his grace in Jesus Christ that actually changes us and makes us different people, that somehow transforms us from within, that somehow renews our person so that we're no longer just a natural man. And not only that, we're no longer slaves of sin. You know, anyone who sins, Jesus says in the gospel, is a slave of sin. And no slave has a permanent house, a permanent place in the father's house. You know, spoiler alert there. Did you get it? You know, no slave has a permanent place in the father's house. What is, what is this grace of God doing in us? So we want to talk about that as we continue here on Bible with the Barbers today. We want to remind all people about um, Dr. Lewis um, Sandoval. Yeah, his conference is coming up on Catholic mental health, the 25th of April, uh, fantastic. Uh, he's a he's a doctor. I mean, he's a medical doctor, but he's also an on-fire Catholic. So that would be a conference that you can call 877-526-2151. I don't even think we have it on the register or the uh, website, but we do have the Adoramus Conference coming yes. up. And I really want to recommend, I know Jesse really had opened his mind 20-some years ago yeah. by going to an Adoramus Conference. Father Joe Fessio and and Dr. Lillis will be here and many others that are going to expose to you what the church really teaches on the liturgy. And I think, you know, the way you worship is the way you believe. It's a biblical prayer. Absolutely. So go and call 877-526-2151 to register or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. When we come back, more of the book of Romans. What a great book. Romans, Romanism in Romans. Or something Roman like that. Im- Romanism in Romans. That's the one, Scott Hahn. <laughs>
We finally did it. We have a Catholic Mental Health Conference on April 25th, 2020, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel with Dr. Louis Sandoval. He's going to be speaking on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Number one, he's going to go on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Second hour, depression, anxiety versus oppression and obsession. The third hour, bipolar disorders. Oh my gosh, infestation and possession. He's going to talk on mental health with the spiritual aspect. Number four, talk will be on drug use. Altered mental status versus demonic influence. I want to hear that talk. I hope you do too. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. The date is April 25th, 2020. Be there by calling 877-526-2151. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back, and thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back here. So we want to look at Paul's ideas, and, and what is and remember, when Paul is writing, and people can say what they want, we believe that the primary author of Scripture is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when it is Paul who is teaching us, the Holy Spirit is teaching us through the, the writings of St. Paul. And so what is this justification? We talked about it being acquittal, vindication, we're pronounced righteous, okay? So the judge can say, okay, you're acquitted. And he may, you know, there was no evidence to, to condemn you. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about justification, when it deals with, when God enters in, what does it mean? What is the theological significance when it is God who is doing the justifying? So in Paul's writing, Paul describes how God established man in a right covenant relationship with himself, a covenant, family. In Paul's writing, that the covenant is a family relationship. This is what God wants to establish. He wants to establish us in a family relationship. And this is possible through the death of Jesus Christ, which frees us from sin. Through the free gift of grace, and that's in Romans 3.24. Grace is a free gift. It's not something we merited. It came to us freely, and we acknowledge this. 
Okay, this grace is received by faith, Romans 3, 26, and Romans 5, 1. Mm -hmm. So in the liturgical context of baptism, so when we're baptized, we're given faith through grace, all right? So the faith that we have is actually a gift from God. And it comes to us through the grace of God, which is God's help or his own divine life that he shares with us. And when God acquits the sinner, he adopts us as one of his sons. In justification, we become sons in the son. We are God's own children by adoption. Mary, you remind me of Dr. Scott Hahn doing that series of four CDs. Actually, they were cassettes way back in the 90s. Uh, become a child of God, justification, become a child of God. Yes. And I would just tell people, if you want those four hours of his class on that, yeah, because you got me excited just listening to you, yeah. uh, we'll get that to you, but you just call 877-526-2151. It will take your email address and we'll electronically send you that course. Yes. And if you want to make a donation, that helps too. But that helps. Scott Hahn did a fantastic job. I will never forget yes, that did. series in, in the 1990s. He really, Scott Hahn has such a gift for communicating the faith. And that's, pray, pray for him and pray, pray to God that he can continue and more people can be brought into the fullness of the faith and to understand fully what God is doing in us. It's not, God changes us from within by making us his own. Remember in the letter of John, John will say, behave like God as his very dear children. And then he will say, dearly beloved, we are God's children now. Right. And this is through baptism. And it's interesting. When I was a child growing up, my mother always used to tell us, because we were baptized, she would say, you are a child of God, a brother or sister of Christ, a temple of the Holy Spirit, an heir to the kingdom of heaven, and a member of the church. And it's like, wow, whoa. <laughs> you know, how many of us remember or know that this is what baptism does in us? It makes us children of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I said? Powerful. Brothers and sisters of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He really became man. He really took a human nature to himself. And we become his brothers and sisters. Temples of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit dwells within us by grace. Members of the church and heirs to the kingdom of heaven. What is the inheritance God promises us? Heaven. Well, what's heaven? I, heaven is where God is. That's right. Heaven is the possession of God. And so... We want to inc live out our faith and this grace. We want to ask God to make the grace that he has given active in us. So the grace changes us. This, this grace actually makes us adopted sons of God. We are his children by adoption. And God affects an inward transformation in us. Okay, He transforms us and actually makes us holy by his grace. He makes us righteous. Mary, some people might be thinking right now that that's great, you know, about the life of God in us and the grace. But there are some people who are telling us that, hey, you know, it's okay. Uh, you know, it's not your fault because you did X, Y, or Z, which you didn't, you know, correspond to the graces God gave you. But there are people who say that uh, that's just not true, that that, that God gave you the grace to do this, that you, it's just, it's a difficult task. And let's just, you know, put it aside and say that's just not possible. So, for example, yeah. a monogamous marriage. <laughs> it's okay? just too hard. It's just too hard. There's not enough grace. They're wrong. But tell <laughs> us why they're wrong. 
Well, what's interesting is when I was in college, we did run into this very mm-hmm. much, especially in, in um, studying some moral theology and sure. uh, from certain moral theologians who essentially said, you know, yeah, the ideal is, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. The ideal is thou shalt not murder. The mm-hmm. ideal is thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. But God understands and we're really too weak to keep, especially especially the sixth and ninth commandment, adultery, uh, you know, acts of adultery or thoughts in our heart, or, you know, of, of adultery and fornication and all sexual, all sins against our, by the way, these are sins against our sexuality. They are sins that degrade us as human beings. And so, yeah, yeah, God, God gives you the ideal in the Ten Commandments, but you really can't keep it. Well, what's the, what's the problem here? So Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from sin, and, and, and we should just go on sinning? Which, by the way, Paul addresses that here in Romans. You know, he talks about the law, and if it weren't for the law, I wouldn't know there was sin. But because of the law, I know there's sin. So what am I to say, that, you know, um, the law causes the sin? No. And he says, well, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. He actually says all this in Romans. And so what am I supposed to say? Go out and sin? And by the way, he has to say, you know, don't go tell people Paul told you to sin. You know? No. This is what grace does in us. It actually gives us the power. Read the letter to the Romans. The grace gives us the power not to sin. It gives us the power to say no to sin. Because is sin any kind of freedom? No. What did Jesus say in the gospel? Anyone who sins is a slave of sin. And no slave has a permanent place in the Father's house. By grace, we became children of God. We belong to the household of God. But if we insist on clinging to our sins and allowing sin to rule us with its passions, then we no longer have a permanent place in the Father's house. That's why that's wrong. We cannot say that grace doesn't give us the power to overcome sin. The habit of sin might be hard to break, okay? But don't get discouraged. The enemy wants you to give up. The world and the flesh wants you to give up because our flesh cries out for gratification. But we have no finality in this world. We weren't made to live for pleasure in this world. We're made for heaven. But Mary, sometimes I'm going to be the devil's advocate <laughs> I love having this come. He just loves it. Yeah, people will say, but Mary, I was meant to be happy. <laughs> we hear this a lot, believe me. We get phone calls where they say, I, you know, after 20 years of marriage or whatever years people have been married, they say, well, you know, I'm not happy anymore. Uh, what's going on in that circumstance? Well, number one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple pieces of advice. Mm-hmm. Number one, cut the pity party. Okay, stop feeling sorry for yourself. I I found this out early in marriage. You know, mama has a baby and I'm nursing the baby. And so papa doesn't have to get up at night because I'm the one who's responsible for feeding the baby. And I wanted it that way. I mean, I wanted to be able to nurse my baby. I'll tell you what, you get real tired when you get woke up every two hours around the clock for six months, you know, because the baby has to eat every couple of hours. Breast milk is very thin. The baby has to eat. And and you start feeling like, well, oh. I'm so tired and I'm so this and I'm so, no, can't somebody help me? And I'm, and you know what? It's like, no, thank you, God, for life. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to serve this child. Thank you, God, for this new life that you've given. Thank you, God, for my husband and that he's working to support us and I don't have to go out to work. I can stay home and nurse my baby. Thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given. Cut the pity party. It makes a big difference. The other thing is, though, you know, anger can kill love. Mm. And there was a woman who went to a retreat one time and she 
well, I had a conference with the retreat master, a priest, mm-hmm. and she told father, I want to divorce my husband. I don't love him anymore. And the priest said, you're angry. And she said, no, father, I'm not angry. There's no love anymore. There's no feeling. I'm just dead. I, I need to start a new life. And he said, you're angry. And I need you to go out there before Jesus in the blessed sacrament and ask him what you're angry about. And so she did. And she came back in for another conference and she wasn't just angry. She was seething and smoking. I'm not really, she wasn't smoking, but she was seething, just seething. And you know what? Tell me. He hadn't committed adultery. He didn't go out and get drunk. He wasn't spending their money foolishly. He wasn't gambling it away and putting them in poverty. It was nothing big. It was a thousand little things over 20 years of marriage Mm that instead of processing the anger and talking out the differences she had buried. So every time she got angry, it was like, well, I'm not going to start a fight. I'm not going to do anything about this. Push it down. Can't feel anger. Well, you know what? If someone commits an injustice, it's okay to feel the emotion of anger. We don't give in to the sin. Jesus, I don't give in to the sin of anger. But help me to process this emotion. And, if you know, men and women are different. Deacon Bob McDonald, that's uh, uh, um, Scottish, MacDonald yeah. from, from Canada, wrote a book about the differences between men and women, which Terry used to read to me when, we were, when our children were little. He'd take me out to breakfast once a week, and, he would be, and it, was, it was so eye-opening. And it was so important because so many times he would do things, and I would think, oh, he just doesn't like me. He's just trying to be mean. He's just trying to have his way. And then he would read me part of this book, And it talks about the differences between men and women, the differences in their psychology, the differences in their approach to life. And all of a sudden it was like, this isn't personal. He's just a man. And I married a man. Oh, no. (laughs) What did I get myself in for? As as G.K. Chesterton said, I've never known a compatible marriage in my life. There you go. There's nothing so incompatible as a man and a woman. They are totally different. They're just incompatible. But he said, I've known very many happy marriages. When you learn to take your differences and work together, you know, now in some marriages, there's a serious problem. You know, if, if somebody's a drug addict or an alcoholic or they're being unfaithful, you have to set some boundaries. Okay. But that doesn't, you know, it's not about, okay, so now I can walk away because it's hard. No, we want to, we have to take up the cross. So don't allow yourself to be abused and misused, but at the same time, don't just walk away from what's hard. Well said, my love. When we come back, more with the Bible with the Barbers on the Book of Romans. I like when you tell stories. Thank you. I like to tell stories. All right. We'll be right back (laughs) with much more on Virgin Most Powerful. This is Jesse Romero. And I'm Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. And we invite you to listen to the Holy Hour of Power, High Energy Catholic Radio. We're two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. We're on Monday through Friday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. What we're going to give you is masculine Catholic teachings on the faith. You know, we say we're too inspired to be tired, we're too protected to be dejected, and we're too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ and His Bride, the Church. And we will take each issue of the day and show you how the Catholic Church has the answer for our culture. What we really do is bring men back into the Catholic Church, which it's about time to do. 
We want men to be leaders in their Catholic faith so that they can bring their family to heaven. Our program is not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And our program is where Catholicism and culture intersect. It's high-energy Catholic radio. We're going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and His bride to the church. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back, and thank you, Matthew. Of course, Matthew can't see us, so he doesn't know that Terry stepped out. (laughs) So, it's all good. Um, We want to remind everybody, I do have a Bible study here at the chapel tonight at 7 p.m. We will not be in the chapel tonight, because there is a funeral the funeral's supposed to end at 7, but it takes a while for the people to get So we'll just go upstairs in the offices to have our little Bible study. And um, thank you so much for those of you who attend, and you're welcome to bring uh, family, friends. Uh, teenagers are welcome. You know, we've had teenagers come and enjoy the Bible study, learn more about the Bible and, and the scriptures and what they mean. And so we were talking before the break about this whole reality of the struggles in life and, and, you know, can we live? What does this grace allow us to do? And the deal is God's grace didn't come into the world to remove suffering, all of our suffering. And Paul talks about that in Romans too. In baptism, we are baptized into death with Christ. We're baptized into his death. So all of our sufferings, all of our human sufferings have now been redeemed. They have meaning. You know, we put animals out of their misery when they're suffering because they don't have an immortal soul and they don't have an intellect. They can't offer their sufferings in union with Jesus Christ. We don't put human beings out of their misery when they're suffering because those last moments of life when we're suffering can be those moments of purification. Our suffering purifies us of our selfishness. It purifies us, can, it can, it can purify us of sin, and it makes us conform to Christ Jesus in his death. So Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. So in our marriages, is one example that Terry asked me that question before the the break, um, we are trying to die to ourselves, to allow Christ to live in us. Whatever you do to the least of your brothers, you do to me. So don't allow hatred to get in there. And when things are, you know, when we don't agree with people or we want things our way, we need to give up our own way. We need to be willing to sacrifice our own preconceived notions and our own perfect paradise and try and 
enter into this beautiful dance that goes on between husband and wife, where we cooperate with one another, where we collaborate with one another, where we recognize our differences and make those strengths to build a family, a family that's supposed to be the image of the Trinity, that that's what family is, the image of the Trinity. And this is what Paul's talking about in Romans. Grace gives us the ability to do this. If we sin, we're slaves of sin. And he makes this abundantly clear. Read Romans, especially 4, 5, 6, and 7, where he talks about what sin is and what it does. It makes us slaves, slaves of our passion. So when we aren't willing to give up sin and live as we are supposed to live, what does grace do for us again? Well, it makes us children of God. In our baptism, we became God's children. He made us his own children in his son. And our life in Christ begins in baptism, and we're supposed to be sons of God, his adopted children, and we're supposed to look like his son, who was willing to do, he came, remember? I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. So are we willing to do this? Are we willing to give up our own will to surrender our preconceived notions and our perfect paradise, give up the pity party, stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Um, If we need help in healing, look for the help we need. Maybe there are traumas in the past that make make it hard for us to trust and to love and to allow ourselves to be loved. Well, then seek the help that you need. And that, by the way, Dr. Louis Sandoval's conference on April 25th, I really hope you come those of you who are in the Southern California area, or even if you come from out of state, to to recognize what is mental health and how do we achieve it. Remember, God made us in his image, and he made us as a body-soul component. We're not pure spirits. We're not angels. We have a body, and our bodies, too, are supposed to serve the Lord. We're supposed to serve the Lord in our bodies. As Kimberly Hahn used to say, she said, you know, there's a problem with a living sacrifice. It can crawl off the altar. So we're supposed to offer our bodies to God as a sacrifice of praise. And when we suffer, we unite it to Jesus Christ and his suffering. And then it becomes meritorious in terms of it helps to build the kingdom of God. It helps to free us from sin. It helps to free us from our selfishness, and it makes us conform to Christ in his suffering so we look more like him. Okay, but the problem with that living sacrifice is it can crawl off the altar. So we start to suffer, and it's like, oh, Lord. Ah." So renounce the pity party. But remember, we are God's children now. We have become God's children. And if we You know, we pray every day for the grace of final perseverance so that we will get to heaven. This is God's will for us. God never predestined anyone to go to hell. When Paul talks about predestination in Romans, he's not talking about predestination to damnation. He's talking about the fact that God gives grace, but he won't waste his grace. So if we're spurning his grace, he's not going to continue to pour it out on us unless there's someone else praying for us, making the sacrifices necessary. And that can happen. We can pray for one another and make sacrifices for one another. We're supposed to pray for the conversion of sinners every day. And so we have become God's sons in his son. And it really does change us from within. And it renews us. And it makes us possible for us not to live in sin. And Paul makes this clear. He says, you know, we're, 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 uh, sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So then he goes on to ask, that's, and, and by the way, chapter and verse in the Bible It wasn't written in chapter and verse. When Paul wrote the letters to the Romans, he didn't write it in chapter and verse. 
So the end of chapter five is connected to the beginning of chapter six. They're divided now for that was late added later, but he talks about, you know, okay, so where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So then uh, what are we to do? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means, Paul says, <laughs> no, wake up. No, we've been baptized into Christ in that, in that baptism. We were supposed to have died to sin. So if we've died to sin, we're not supposed to go on living in sin. We're supposed to live in the freedom of the children of God. When we didn't know Christ, we offered our bodies to sin and to just self-indulgence and pleasure and the pursuit of debauchery and degradation. But we didn't know any better. And now we have Christ, so we know better. And now his grace gives us the power to overcome sin. And over and over again, and the Terry and Jesse talk about it, the Jesus 911 talks about it, people who have come to realize that the grace of God really has the power to free us from sin. So many people and guests that Terry has had, people that we have come speak at the chapel who were living a life of debauchery and degradation. And, you know, some of us, we were baptized and we never left the faith. Thank you, God. That's a grace of God. But, you know, some of us, if we had ever left, we never would come back. And, you know, it's like Trez of Lezu. She never commit a single voluntary sin in her life. She didn't, and St. John de Brebeuf never commit a single voluntary sin. Yeah, they didn't, you know, they never set their will against God's will. Trez of Lezu said from the age of four, she never said no to God. Well, that was a grace from God. That was God's grace to her. And she said, she said, even if I had commit all the mortal sins in the world, I would throw myself on his mercy. We need to trust in God's mercy. But that doesn't mean go out and sin so that God can be merciful to us. We don't need to. We're born sinners. Remember, we were born as enemies of God. And while we were yet enemies, and this is where Christ shows, God shows his love for us, that while we were yet enemies, God sent his son to redeem us, Paul tells us in this letter. And so we died to sin. And because we've died to sin, we need to live in the grace of God. We need to live in the freedom of his children, not in sin, not in debauchery, not in sexual excess and lust, not in drunkenness, not in stealing and in lying and in cheating and in being uncharitable and in putting people down and degrading people and putting ourselves above other people and building up our own pride so that we feel good about ourselves and can look down on the world. All of those things are offensive to God. All wrongdoing is sin. Not all sin is deadly. There's a difference. There's a deadly sin and a not deadly sin. But by the grace of God, we can live a life free of sin. And his saints have. The saints have come to what's called transforming union. Many of the canonized saints, so that on this earth, they were no longer capable of sinning because they had fallen so deeply in love with God. So this grace gives us the ability to fall in love with God and to trust that he loves us so much. And you don't think he loves you? Get a crucifix, a really vivid crucifix that shows how much suffering Christ went through. And keep saying, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. Remember, if you're a sinner, you're a good candidate for salvation. He came to save sinners. But he wants to free you from the power of sin. But we need to trust in his love. 
We need to trust that this grace that he gives us, like the woman in today's gospel, and like Jairus, who even after he was told that his daughter was dead, had the faith and the trust to believe that God would give us what we're asking for, the grace of freedom, but freedom first from sin. And sometimes he alleviates suffering in our life, and sometimes he leaves us with the suffering. But we can offer the suffering in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And when we were baptized, we received the gifts of faith, hope, and charity. And Paul brings those all together um, in this in this gospel. And, excuse me. <laughs> Paul didn't write a gospel. Correction. Mary Danielle Barber. Paul did not write a gospel. No, he didn't write a gospel. He, he wrote... He wrote a letter. He wrote lots of letters, and they're beautiful letters. But um, in the beginning of, I believe it's chapter 5, when he, the results of justification, and he talks about um, the faith, hope, and charity, that we received the faith and we received hope, and through the Holy Spirit, that, that the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts, and this, this God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's the beginning of chapter 5. So faith, hope, and love, and we receive those in baptism, and those are gifts from God. Faith gives us the ability to believe in God. And by the way, by faith, we actually possess what we hope for because we hope for union with God. And when we're baptized, when we're given the gift of faith, we possess God. So we already possess him. Sin can cast him out of our hearts. We don't want to do that. So he gives us this grace of God. That was my question, right? The big, the title for today's show, what difference does the grace of God make? It makes all the difference in the world because it makes us his children and it gives us the ability to live a life free of sin, a life of true union with God where we, God is able to shine through us. What was it Paul said? I live now, not I, but Jesus Christ lives in me and he shines through us. And this was the prayer that actually Mother Teresa used to say after communion every day that she got from St. John Henry Newman, radiating Christ. Jesus, live in me and shine through me, so to shine that others will see the light. The light, oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be from me. So there you have it. We're wrapping it up here for today. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. If you're local and you can join me for Bible study tonight at 7, we'll be upstairs in the office. And if you want to get the Scott Hahn recordings or the cheat sheet on what Catholics believe and where is it in the Bible, call 877-526-2151. Thank you for your prayers and your support of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Join us again next week on Bible with the Barbers. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
virgin most powerful radio sharing the gospel with clarity and charity